0: Hello and welcome to episode 106 of The Conversations with Ross podcast. I'm Ross Carey. Thanks for listening. Thrilled to be joined right now by Rachel Brosnahan. Rachel is an actress who's all over Netflix right now. She's one of the stars of House of Cards. You can give her a follow on Twitter at Rachel Bros. that's R-A-C-H-I-E-B-R-O-S. Rachel, thanks so much for taking the time to join the podcast today.
1: Thank you for having me, Ross.
0: Well, Rachel, let's start at the beginning. Tell me what initially attracted you to acting in the first place.
1: Entirely sure, like, but, you know, I think I, as far as I can remember, I've always wanted to do it. Um, and then, you know, I've been asked this question a lot recently, and I started thinking about it. And I think, you know, when I was little, my parents had me listening to a lot of books on tape. And, uh, you know, listening to that as I fall asleep and everything, I like I could imagine the world very clearly. And it made me want to be a part of the world. And then I, I actually think I did at some point start kind of... Um, acting them out or playing the characters, and and it just kind of progressed from there.
0: Do you come from a theatrical or an acting family?
1: Not at all, no. (laughs) Um, No, my my dad is a publisher, and my mom worked in hotel and restaurant management, and um, my siblings play sports, (laughs) so I think they were a little surprised.
0: For everyone, even when you're a kid and you want to be doing this, acting starts as a recreation. You're in school plays and you're taking classes. How does it go from a recreation to something you actually think you can pursue as a career?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I became curious about it when I was in high school. Um, I hadn't really ever taken any acting classes outside of school. And... Uh, and I think I was more interested in just acting classes, and I found my my now manager, the amazing, wonderful Carol Debo, who was teaching class in Chicago, and I, I found it through Googling, you know, and um, and I started taking classes with her one summer, and she was the one who actually encouraged me to pursue it professionally, and she really sort of mentored me and and helped me turn it from a hobby to a profession and, and now she's my manager. So <laughs> we have a long relationship. I would I would credit nearly all of that to her and, and the Actors Training Center in Chicago.
0: Now did you go to Tish?
1: I did, yes.
0: I'm curious obviously Tish is NYU, it has a great reputation for training actors. I'm curious, does it also prepare you for working in the industry?
1: I think it can if you want it to. Um, I think they they have really uh, altered their program in a wonderful way to include a lot more of that. And I think they're very open to you asking questions um, all over the place, you know, and there's certain studios more than others. You know, I studied at, at the Lee Strasberg Theater and Film Institute and, uh, and they a hundred percent, you know, turned me inside out and ripped me apart and put me back together and, <laughs> and, and taught me, gave me a toolbox. Um, they trained me as an actor for sure. And then there were teachers there who you could ask professional questions to. And then there's another studio called Stone Street Studios, which was sort of known as, as the professional liaison there. Um, and they put you in front of of agents and managers and casting directors and had you try it out uh, and, and taught a business at the business class as well.
0: Well, Rachel, let's shift over to House of Cards. Tell me about how this part came to be for you.
1: Yeah, it, it, I was the luckiest post-grad in the entire world. I I have to start out by saying that, but you know, it came about as as any other audition. Um, I had met Julie, the casting director before, and I, uh, I went in and I, and you know, it's funny because at the time I wasn't really playing roles like this. This was a little bit older, a little bit darker than anything that I had played. So that was exciting to me, but it was really only supposed to be one or two episodes, about five lines. And, um, and luckily, Bo Williman and the writing team and the producers took a huge chance on me and, and found a way to expand this character through Peter Russo's storyline. And uh, and then and it just kept going. And, and it's, been, it's been, I keep saying this and I feel so dweeby, but it's been a dream come true. Truly, uh, this has been the most amazing playground. <laughs> it's been incredible.
0: Well, it's interesting. It's such a great show, but when you first appeared on the show, there was no sign to the viewer that you were going to become a regular on the show. And
1: No, because... there was no sign to us either.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, when did you know? I mean, the show is based on a book and there was a British miniseries. How much of the show was scripted out? What did the producers tell you when they when you first got cast?
1: Well, one of the loveliest things about this show is they, you know, they have an outline, but they are very malleable within it. They change things as they're inspired and, and that's lucky for us and, and cool and interesting for them. It's totally different. And uh, for me, season one, it was literally an episode by episode kind of thing. Um, I finished my first episode and, and a couple months went by. There's a big gap for me in the first season. I think I disappear in two and don't appear again until seven or so. And, uh, we got a call to sing, you know, are, are you available? <laughs> um, and I was going, oh, my God, holy crap, you know. And and uh, and then the next episode, they, they called again. And they called on an episode-by-episode episode basis. So I really had no idea where it was going. And I think they were sort of shifting things as they went, which, you know, I'm not entirely sure the magic that goes on behind the curtain. <laughs> but it all turns out all right, man.
0: The first day, tell me about your first day, on set? I mean, this is the show with a lot of expectations. There's, you know, Kevin Spacey and David Fincher. Tell me about that first day.
1: My first day, I was petrified, and I was trying to act really cool. Uh, but I, you know, I didn't think for a second that, like, I was cast off this tape from casting, so I hadn't met David or any of the production team ahead of time, which most of the cast had. And so I didn't think for a second that I didn't really look how I looked on that tape, you know, I'd, I'd put in a serious effort to blow out my hair and put a lot of makeup on <laughs> and I showed up on set in like a little white sweater. I think Michael Kelly has a picture from the first day and, uh, and my hair in a bun and I think I, I, no makeup. And I think I looked like I was like 16 and Fincher laid eyes on me and was like, Oh my God, are you even legal? You know, <laughs> and uh, and luckily I just get fired. <laughs> um, I was I was petrified, but it was amazing. I mean, the, the thing is, is that David Fincher was so, so nice to me. And I'm not sure he has a reputation for being like the nicest, but uh, really made me feel comfortable and at home. And Michael Kelly is is one of the most incredible actors I've ever had the opportunity to work with. He couldn't be nicer and more of a professional. And the other thing about that sad is it's just. It's so professional, but um, it's, it's been incredibly supportive and, and amazing.
0: Tell me about how David Fincher runs his set and the kind of notes he gives to an actor.
1: Sure. Well, I you know, David only directed the first two episodes, um, and I think I probably had less interaction with David than most of the actors on the show, so I can't completely speak to that, but my experience was that it's extraordinarily efficient. You know, David, David is kind of a savant. He can see everything exactly as it should be before you even start so he knows exactly what every moment should look like and exactly how he's going to cut the scene before you even begin um so it's extremely efficient and uh and my experience was he didn't really stop rolling um it was kind of one gigantic take and he would come in and give very specific notes um yeah it was great it was it was long we did a lot of takes but, you know, he gets exactly what he wants.
0: My wife and I were talking about who's actually a good person on House of Cards. And I said that your character, Rachel, is good. And my wife disagreed. What do you think?
1: Really? You know, I I think that in a way everyone is good. I, you know, that, that's such a, those terms are so hard. Good, evil. Um,
0: you think Frank Underwood is good?
1: You know, I feel like everybody is self-motivated. <laughs> all of us are. Every and and aren't we all though? You know, everyone is passionate. They're after power in some way, and and I don't know. You know, I obviously I can't look at Frank Underwood and be like, God, he's an angel. He's a saint. It's <laughs> <That's> it's <laughs> good and evil are able to accurately describe each of these characters. They're so complex. Um, well, I I don't know. I don't think that Rachel is. Is good per se, but I but I do think that uh, she's not quite as invested in that political world, the the darkness that comes along with that. I do think she's sort of striving for some light in amidst all this darkness
0: yeah and I think that she's a character that I found myself wanting to root for, and I you know certainly there were there were times during the the first two seasons this is going to be a little bit of a spoiler alert, so people who haven't seen the second season yet you can skip ahead ten minutes, but there was times in the second season where we thought that Rachel might die, and I was not rooting for that character for that to happen to that character, but my wife was sort That's of like,
1: good. you're the only one
0: <laughs> yeah I mean, my wife thought that she wasn't she? She sort of like deserved hers too, as everyone else on the show did, because she brought herself into the world by making the phone call. She tried to blackmail Doug, and that's why my wife is so against the character. It has nothing to <laughs> do with the prostitution or anything, but I'm curious about how you feel about that angle.
1: You know, I think, as I said, everybody's self motivated, so I do think, in a way, she, she did get herself involved, but I'm not sure that she had any idea what she was signing up for. <laughs> you know, I'm not sure that she thought it would continue the way that it has either. Um, and yet it's been really interesting on, on Twitter and, and through my friends to hear people's reactions to it, because it seems like about it's pretty split. Actually, I, I said to be only one, but that's not true. I think about 50% of the people are like, God, I just want her to have a happy ending. You know, why is <laughs> all this stuff keep happening to her? Um, And then uh, half the people are like, why is she still alive? Please die. You know. um,
0: (laughs) (laughs) know, People tell you that?
1: Oh, yes. Oh, people. (laughs) Once given the veil of the Twitter, people are very vocal. (laughs) Okay. It's as if they think you're not going to read it, or maybe they think you're definitely going to read it, and they want to have their two cents. Twitter is amazing. But uh, I mean, but some of my friends, too, some of my friends are like, God, we love Stamper. Why is Rachel alive? Um Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I think, back to your original question, I do think she entered herself in. But I think that within that, which I think is also why, spoiler again, skip 10 minutes ahead, um, which is why I also think people keep saying, well, why didn't she just run away? But I think that... Also, in a way, this is more stability than she's ever known. And, and you know, there's been some discussion about, like, in a way, Doug is is like another pimp, for better or for worse. He's sort of controlling her every move. But I think within that and within the confines, she still she has an apartment to live in. She's found this, you know, she, a higher calling or an interest. I'm not sure that she's all of a sudden become a devout Christian, but I do think she's interested in it. And she finds some... Um, it, it validates her in a way uh, and she's found this friend and, and she's you know, um, falling in love and, and, uh, and in a way I think she, she does want to trust Sandler he, he has said repeatedly look I'm doing this for you and they have a really interesting and complex relationship
0: well tell me about that you mentioned Michael Kelly a little bit earlier he's been around forever mm-hmm. he's a really good character actor tell me what it's like working with him
1: I've never worked with an actor who is more fun, more professional, more positive. I mean Michael shows up every day with a smile on his face and makes everything easier <laughs> between michael and beau i mean the the job's done for me <laughs> show up on set, and everyone's amazing um and you know it really is kind of it was Michael and I for so long. I rarely ever saw anyone else, and so uh I'm really lucky that that I got to work with somebody that amazing who just we can play together. You know, we try things and um, we find something that works and, and we support each other and we've become friends. And it's, it's been it's been incredible working with Michael and he's so good. Oh, my God. His stamper is so complicated and tortured, but a professional at the same time as well. You know,
0: were you satisfied with how season two ended with how the show ended?
1: Oh, God. <laughs> it's, it's summer. But, you know, I think I think. We'll see what happens in season three. Who knows? Um, I don't know anything, certainly. I have no idea. I'm dying to know. Someone tell me what's happening in season three.
0: Is there a season three?
1: Yes, there is. As far as I understand, um, we haven't picked up for a season three. There's been, uh, the the start date has been pushed a little bit. um, But I I have no idea whether or not I'm involved in season three. I don't think any of us know. That's the magic of Bo and and the team. they know everything, and then we'll, we'll get let in when we're supposed to.
0: When season two ends, Frank Underwood ascends to the presidency of the United States. Were you rooting for him to gain the presidency, or were you hoping that Tusk would turn him in?
1: You know, both, because after all that, <laughs> he has to be the president. I mean, part of you is like he he's gotten so close to getting caught so many times, he has to win. He's that like dark hero in a way, um, the Walter White character. You know, even though he's so twisted, you, at least to me, watching Breaking Bad, for example, in a way, I was still rooting for Walter White, and I was like, God, what's wrong with me? I'm a sociopath. But you know, <laughs> um, and then in a way, obviously, you want him to lose. You want you want the the, the underdog, which is everybody compared to Frank Underwood, to prevail. I, I'm torn. I'm always torn with this show. I've read them all, and I watch it, and I'm still on the edge of my feet.
0: <laughs> Rachel, I want to uh, mix it up a little bit. Tell me about your worst audition experience.
1: Oh, my God. <laughs> there have been so many. <laughs> um, no, my—oh, gosh. There have been so many. Um, I would probably have to say that my my first professional audition was my worst audition experience. I was auditioning for a movie that I ultimately ended up doing called The Unborn. And I had two lines. uh, It was like two scenes, four lines or something like that. And I (laughs) had never auditioned for anything on film and television. And I I had been told that in order to be a film and television actor, you had to mumble all your lines and that would do it. So I (laughs) went into the audition and I mumbled all my lines. And the guy in the room told me that, like, you know, I was probably too young and, and they didn't really want a redhead. And I was like, oh, well, OK. Um, and then I got a call back and I had no idea what that was. And, uh, you know, I had like a small agency in Chicago and I had no idea what that was. And I, I went back and I expected to just go in for that same guy again. And, um, I walked into the room and there were about 12 people in there. So I had no idea, you know, and beforehand they had had me fill out a conflict sheet and I had planned with my girlfriend, it was my senior year of high school, um, this senior spring break to England. And we were, we were going to go abroad. We were going to go to London and have a great time. And I walked into the room, I mumbled my four lines and somebody stood up and said to me, you know, I'm, I'm looking at your conflict sheet and actually these days that you're in London are the exact days that this part shoots. And I went, oh, okay, well, I'm sorry. I, thank you for having me. I can't do it. <laughs> and the guy looked at me and goes, would you rather be in a major feature film or go on a vacation? And I went, wow, I've had this vacation plan <laughs> for a long time. <laughs> and the guy was just like baffled. And, uh, and I left and I got a call from my agent being like, you're on hold. And I was like, I don't know what that means. Um, I I can't. I have to go on this. And I think and I ultimately I got the part. And I think that they must have just thought that I was so naive that they were just screwing with me. You know, (laughs) I have no idea how I got that part. And I showed up on set and didn't realize that the, the man who had stood up and asked me if I'd rather do a major feature film or go on vacation was the director, David Goyer. Um, who I (laughs) introduced myself to the first day on set. (laughs) It was just an embarrassment all around.
0: (laughs) Are there things that you feel every actress should know that no one really tells you about when you're first breaking in or when you're in acting school?
1: Yes. um, Yeah, you know, I think I want to say yes and no because there are things... I ran around like a chicken with my head cut off um, for years before I had any idea what I was doing. And I think I probably insulted a lot of people and um, I have no idea how I made it through. but I, in a way, I think I had that like youthful ego where I was like, nothing can touch me and, and somehow made it through. But I think the lesson in that, because then there was a period where I learned actually the right ways to do things, quote, the right ways to do things. And, um, and then I didn't work for like a year, you know, I, I got really in my head about it, and I and I was like, oh, you know, now I know how to do this, and now all of a sudden I wasn't working. So I think ultimately I learned that you have to you have to listen to everybody. You have to listen to everything that everybody says because, especially when you're starting, you don't know anything.
0: What are you working on now?
1: I'm working. I'm in New Mexico. I'm uh, starting work on a new series called Manhattan. It's a WGN America series, and it's being uh, helmed by the amazing Sam Shaw and Tommy Schlamme. Um, and, uh, yeah, we've, we've been here for oh, a few, almost a week, I guess, um, in rehearsals and, and costumes. It's a period piece. It's about the uh, the race to build the first atomic bomb. And so the costumes are incredible. Hair and makeup is amazing. And uh, we're taking physics classes and visiting Los Alamos. And uh, it should be something pretty special.
0: Is this set to debut in the fall?
1: Um, I think it's set to debut this summer. I believe it starts airing... I'm going to get this wrong, but in July, June or July, I think we start there
0: Rachel, you've wanted to be a actress since you were a little kid. You're a working actress now. Is being a working actress what you expected it to be?
1: Um, it's not what I expected it to be, and it's better in a lot of ways. I, Yeah, it's better. I mean, I get to go on so many adventures and play so many different people and, and meet so many different people. Um, it's also more grueling than I thought it would ever be. The days are longer. Uh, and it's challenging, but it's the fun kind of challenging that comes from working on something that you're really passionate about and that you love. So I feel very lucky right now.
0: What were you expecting when you were like 15 and you said, I want to be an actress? What did you think that life would be?
1: You know, I had no idea. I know a lot of people say, you know, I expected, or they practice their Oscar speeches in the mirror. I'm not sure that I had any idea. And it's funny because this has maintained, I feel like I just wanted to act. And I... And I I only had an image of it in theater. I didn't I didn't watch a lot of movies growing up. Um I watched like Disney Channel original movies, but my family didn't watch a lot of movies. So I really just envisioned doing theater um and just just acting all the time. And and there is a lot of other stuff that goes into it, which I think is, is a little bit different from how I had envi- envisioned it. I thought you just went to work every day and acted every day. Um and there's other stuff, you know, there's there's uh there's before you start a job, there's after you end a job, there's publicity, there's um, people to meet and things to go to, and, and that's not really a part of it that I, I had envisioned, but it's different and exciting, and, and every day is something new for me. I still feel like I'm just starting, even though I've been around for a while, but everything has been completely new. And I think that comes from working on, on new projects, like House of Cards is sort of a new frontier of television and this series on WGN America, it's, it's, this network is totally new. And, and so I think I'm having a lot of new experiences, which is exciting.
0: You've been listening to Rachel Brosnahan. You can watch her on Netflix and the excellent show House of Cards and give her a follow on Twitter at Rachie Bros. That's R-A-C-H-I-E-B-R-O-S. Rachel, thanks so much for taking the time to join the podcast
1: today. Thank you,